The last thing we were discussing was a statement that Ravas said in regards to false witnesses. Ravas explained that if they, the witnesses were first contradicted and then they were caught lying altogether, they get killed because the contradicting is the beginning of proving that these were false witnesses. We just didn't finish it. And Ravas tried to prove it from a Braita. Regarding witnesses that said a master knocked out his uh, his uh, slave's eye, then his tooth, and he has to pay for a tooth, and then witnesses say, uh, no, that wasn't the case. Rabbi explained that that Brita was talking about three sets of witnesses. The first group said A happened first, B happened second. Group number two said B happened first, A happened second. And then group number three said, no, group number two, you're lying. And Abaye said, no, we're not talking about three sets of witnesses. We're talking about two sets of witnesses. And we're talking about a situation where the second set of witnesses flipped what the first set of witnesses said. And then they proved that they weren't there. Then they were false witnesses. And he proved it from the Sefa. And with that, we're going to start. Ayn Dalat Abu nine lines in. In the middle of the line where it says, Vehechidami. If we're talking about a situation where the second set of witnesses flipped what the first set of witnesses said and then proved them invalid, they're false witnesses, what are we talking about? So, If the second group said that the story happened at a later time, meaning let's say the first group says it was Sunday, the second group says it was Thursday, uh, if that's the case, they still have to pay, meaning the, the the first witnesses, if they're called lying, they still have to pay the owner, even if it was true, even if it was true. But still, when they came and they obligated this master to pay, he wasn't obligated, meaning on Sunday, when you say on Sunday that he uh, heard his ayavid, uh, for example, or whatever they're testifying on, at that time, he was still a free person. He was not. He was not guilty. So Ella, you have to say the Brita saying the kame kadme kadume hanibatra. You have to say that the the second set of witnesses said the story happened earlier. It didn't happen Monday. It happened Sunday. So the idea is he was already obligated to pay. So now again, the Gemara asks ve'ide lo amad badin if he didn't come to betin yet, meaning if the whole case didn't start in betin in regards to the slave and his damages, the was you are free or not? Well, the first set of witnesses have to pay for the entire slave because the the master is not obligated to pay it, meaning he didn't even show up to Beitin yet. There's no case that even started over here, and they're trying to make the slave leave him, so they have to pay the entire slave. Meaning, even if the story actually happened, let's say the, the master hurt, hit a slave. The slave didn't go to Beitin. There was no case in Beitin yet, so at that point... It, Technically, the master doesn't have to free him. And they're coming and lying about a date. So they're, they're, ob- they're really what they're trying to do is force this master to free his slave. So they're, and if they're caught lying, then they have to pay for what they were planning to do. So Ella, what are we talking about? The Ahmad Badin. We're talking about a situation where the master already came to Betin. Everyone saw him knock out his uh, slave's eye, and he has to. Uh, okay, they came to Betin. They're discussing about freeing him, and the way we're going to explain the entire case is as follows: uh, the master knocked out his uh, slave's eye, then his tooth. 
He came to Betin. Betin says you have to you, you have to free him. And then this master ran away, never freed a slave. So witnesses followed him to a different Betin, and they said, so this uh, master, he knocked out his, um, his slave's tooth, and then he knocked out the eye. And then a second set of witnesses says, no, first things first, you were with us on, in, on that day in a different area. And number two, it was the total opposite. It was first the eye, then the tooth. So they have to, so the, the, these witnesses, the, the false witnesses, have to pay for the eye that they wanted the master to lose. Now, let's go back to what Rabbah said. Rabbah said that contradicting is the beginning of proving false witnesses. And Rabbah brings it from a in regards to the first set of witnesses saying that this man blinded his slave and then he knocked out his tooth. And the Rabbah understood the case where we're talking about three sets of witnesses. Witnesses number one say he knocked out the tooth, then the eye, so he has to pay the eye. Witnesses number two said it was the eye, then the tooth, so he only has to pay the tooth. And witnesses number three, they knock out the witnesses number two. So question. Where did Rabbah understand his diuk that uh, contradicting is the beginning of proving false witnesses? How do you understand it from the Brayta? If you want to understand it from the Resha for the first part, Resha mikamit kahashem In the Resha, in the, the way he explains it with his three groups, it's not the middle group that's being proven false that's being contradicted. If they weren't proven false, their their testimony would have stood. Because at the end of the day, we would have said like that, meaning if there's conflicting opinions of what happened, they say I first, they say tooth first. Okay, we would have said you have to pay the tooth. Why? Because because Okay, we understand the eye is more expensive than the tooth. The, so you're not going to give him the full 200. You'll get the half. You'll get 100. Meaning you'll pay a little bit less, but okay, but we got somewhere. According to the way Rabbi understood the, the, the case, it's the first group that's being contradicted, not the middle group. So what's going on is that the, according to Rabbah, the first group is being contradicted. The middle group is the one being proven false. So I, I don't understand how you're saying that uh, the, the contradicting is the beginning of proving false witnesses. So Amadeh Rabashe explains to Rabbi Haber Ravika. Rabbah Sabar Mideresha Bishalosh Kitot Sefanami Bishalosh Kitot. So Rabashe explained. Look, Rabbah holds that the Rish is talking about three groups of witnesses. So he also holds it with the Sefa, same thing, three sets of witnesses. The Sefa on the top of the Amud over here explained that if a set of witnesses say that this person knocked out his slave's tooth and then he blinded him, and we found that they're lying, then they have to pay the worth of an eye to the master. Now he understood that case also with three different groups. Vidayek Misifan Rabbah, who said that contradicting is the beginning of proving false witnesses, he understood it from the Sefa. How? Kigonda two witnesses came. He knocked out his tooth, then his eye. When we were prosecuting the case like them, and they say, okay, the man goes out free, and you have to pay for his eye. And then another two witnesses come. It was the opposite. It was first the eye, then the tooth. 
uh, the second set of witnesses are contradicting the first one. They're saying the case was op- opposite. Now we found out that the first one, a third group comes in and says, no, the first uh, group, they were not even in the area. They were with us in a different country. So group number one pays the worth of an eye to the master. And that's how he understands it. Now, if you want to say contradicting is not the beginning of proving false witnesses, then why does group number one have to pay? Weren't they proven false from the beginning? I rather have to say that that contradicting is the beginning process of proving false witness. And therefore, if they originally were contradicted and then they were proven false, they have to pay like regular false witnesses. The Abaye, now Abaye steps and he argues on Rabbah. And he'll tell you, I understand, you could, you could do it three uh, three sets of witnesses. You have no other way. Fine. Because it says that the master was okay with that. Meaning, what was he okay with? Meaning, obviously, there's a second set of witnesses where uh, who explained that he has to pay cheaper. You only have to pay for a tooth. Okay, that makes sense. I agree with you. But according to you, in the Sefa, why do I need three groups? Is it because the, the slave is okay with this? And Ayved, whatever you give him, he's going to be happy. Whatever you say, whatever testimony, he's going to be okay with the fact that he's going out free. And that's Abaye's logic. Now, in the Brayta that Rabbah brought, we understood that if the master blinded his slave and then he knocked out the tooth, he goes out free because of the eye, and therefore he has to pay for the tooth. So now, Matki Fla Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera has a question. Emma, why don't we just say, Sime et Aino, and Nipuk be Aino. Let's just say he blinded him, he goes out free. He peel at Shino, Nipuk be Shino, and if he knocked out his tooth, he goes out because of the tooth. Sime et Aino ve peel at Shino. But even in the case where he blinded him, then knocked out his tooth, let him go out free with his eye and his tooth. Meaning, why does the master even have to pay? Let's just say the slave goes out free and we'll call it even. So, because of you, the pasuk had to say, he goes out free for his eye, not because of his eye and his tooth. Meaning, he goes out free because of his tooth, not because of his tooth and his eye. Meaning, he, he's still liable to pay for one of them. Now, the Gemara is going to go back to what Rabbah said, that contradicting is the beginning of of making false witnesses, we also learned in our Mishnah that contradicting is the beginning of proving false witnesses of Hazamah. If someone stole something and there was two witnesses to testify, and he slaughtered it, sold it based on their word, and we found them to be liars, they have to pay everything. Now, my love, aren't we talking about a case? They testified first on the theft. And then they then they testified again on the slaughtering. And then we caught them lying on the stealing. And then we caught them again lying about the slaughtering. And the Chorah and Mishnah is not understood. 
If they already were caught lying about the theft, then they're already considered contradicted in regards to the slaughtering. And still, the Mishnah says, they have to pay everything, meaning even on the slaughtering. And if you want to say that contradicting is not the beginning of Hazama, proving false witnesses, why are they paying for the slaughtering? Meaning the whole testimony is contradicted. Rather, you have to say, you have to say that contradicting is the beginning of proving false witnesses. But the Gemara doesn't like that proof. Amre, they said, What's our Mishnah talking about? Our Mishnah could be talking about where they were caught lying about the slaughtering first, and then only after that they were caught lying about the stealing. And you could say at the time when they were caught lying about the slaughtering, their testimony wasn't contradicted yet. So you can't have a definitive proof that Hasha is the beginning of Hazama. And it sounds like that's their mahluket between Abayi and Rabbah is is hachashat uh, halat hazama or not? According to Rabbah, it is. According to Abayi, it's not. Uh, it's not. Or biplukta, and there's the same mahluket with other rabbis. Aidim sheuchashul basofuzmu Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Lazar. Aidim that were first contradicted, then they were proven false witnesses. There's a mahluket Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Lazar had amar neheragin v'had amar eneragin. One of them said that you kill him, and the other one says you don't kill them. And it makes sense to say, it makes sense to say, is the one who says not to kill them, because he holds that Hasha is not the beginning of Hazama. Rebiel Azar said a different din, that were contradicting in regards to their testimony about a person killing someone, look in, they get makot, because they lied. If you want to say Rabbi Lazar is the one who said that they get killed, then why do they get uh, makot? Meaning, this is a love that you get a warning, uh, the betin might kill you if, if you lie. And if there's, a, if there's a punishment of death, meaning if the betin is going to give you a warning that if you do this, you're going to die, and there's no makot. Rather, you have to say, Rather, you have to say, the fact that Rabbi said, look in, that they get makot, that means they don't get killed. It makes sense to say that. Now, the Gemara has a question on Rabbi Lazar, look in, why would they get makot? It's two verses two. Two witnesses said he killed, the other two witnesses he didn't kill. Why are you relying on the second set of witnesses? Rely on the first set of witnesses. So Amar Abaye Beba Harug Beraglav. We're talking about a situation where the one who's been murdered came in all of a sudden to Betin, meaning the story never really happened, and the first group was proven liars. Next Mishnah: Ganav al pi shenaim v'tavahum umachar al pi aidehad. Let's say two people said he stole. One witness said he slaughtered it, or al pi atzmo, or he himself said I slaughtered it or sold it. Meshlem tashlume kefal. He has to pay double because there's two witnesses over there. Ve'no meshlem tashlume arba v'hamishav. He doesn't have to pay times four times five because he's admitting on a fine, and anyone who admits on a fine is exempt from paying. Ganav etavach b'shabbat. If he stole and slaughtered on Shabbat, ganav etavach l'avodazara. Or if he stole and slaughtered for avodazara, ganav mishelaviv umetaviv. If he stole from his father, his father died. Then he slaughtered or sold it. 
ganav ve'ikdish v'hagach tavachu machar if he slaughtered it and then he was makdish it to the Beit Hamikdash and then he slaughtered or sold it mishalem tashlume kefil ve'no mishalem tashlume avavahamisha yes the pay times two. But he does not have to pay the times four times five. With the Shabbat and the Avodah Zarah, it's Kim Lebed Rabbaminah. He has to deal with a bigger punishment. In regards to the father, since the Shaita wasn't totally a source, since he sort of now owns it, so he doesn't have to pay times four times five. Um, when it comes to the Hekdesh, it's between him and Hashem. You don't have to pay times four times five to Hashem. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Kadashim Shehayav Baharayutam, Mishalim Dashlume Arba'a if it's Kadashim, that if they get lost, you would have to give another one instead of it, then yeah, you would have to pay times four times five, even though you slaughtered the Kadashim. Meaning, if Reuven was Makdish, this animal, the Beta Megdash, and if this animal gets lost, Reuven would have to pay another animal. So if someone uh, took, uh, stole that animal and slaughtered it, Reuven now has to pay another one. And therefore, since you're causing Reuven to have to pay another animal, then you have to pay times four times five. She'en hayav b'haryutam. If Reuven would not have to pay another animal, patur, then then Shimon would not have to pay times four times five. And the Gemara starts, our Mishnah said that if someone slaughtered and there was only one witness, you don't have to pay times four times five. Al pi'adihad peshita. Well, obviously, there are two witnesses. Why should I have to pay times four times five? So the Gemara explains, Amrei ha'kamash no, the hidush is, that a person's own admission is like one witness. They're the same way. When, it, when if there's one witness and another witness comes, they, we combine them together, and now he would have to pay the the, the, the times four times five, and he's mihyav. Then same thing. Same thing when he himself admits. If two witnesses later on come and say that he slaughtered or sold, then he has to pay times four times five. This goes against what Ravuna Amarav said. Ravuna said in the name of Rav that if a person admitted that he did something wrong, that he would be obligated to pay a fine, then he's patur even if witnesses came afterwards. Rather, we understood in the Mishnah that Halakha is not like that, that if a person admits that he did something wrong, that he would have to pay a fine. If witnesses later came, he would uh, he would be obligated to pay the fine. He is only patur if the witnesses didn't come. Gufa, let's go back to something we just said. Amarav Huna Amarav, Patur. Huna said in the name of Rav that if someone admits that he did something wrong, he's obligated to pay a fine. And then when it says came, he's Patur from the fine. So Rav Hasda asked a question to Ravuna. There was a story with Rabban Gamliel who blinded his slave's eyes. Slave Tavi was a tzaddik. He blinded his eye and he was very happy. It was Simhagidola. Now, by the way, there's a question over here. What happened over here? If he did it on purpose, then why do you wait till now? You should have done it before. And if he did it by mistake, well, we learned in Kiddushin that by mistake the slave wouldn't go out. So it's a question, what just happened here? But either way, he was happy. So Metzal de Rabbi Yoshua, Rabban Gamliel found Rabbi Yoshua, Amar lo, Rabban Gamliel told him, You didn't know that my slave, my slave Tavi went out uh, and he's free? Amar lo, Rabbi Yoshua told Rabban Gamliel, Lama, why, why did he go out free? Amar I know, I blinded him. Amar lo, en Whatever you say doesn't count. He doesn't have witnesses. 
Now, what do you understand from Rabbi Yeshua? Hayesh lo'edim, hayav. If he did have witnesses, then okay, Rabbi Gamaliel will have to free him. But right now, he has no witnesses, so he doesnn't go out free. Now, what do you understand from here? You understand from here that if someone admitted, if he admitted that he did something wrong, that he's obligated to pay a fine, and then Aidim came, he's Hayav to pay the fine. So, Amalir Avunat told Rav Hasda, really, if a person admits in a fine and then witnesses came, he's Patur. Vishani Rabban Gamliel. The difference to Rabban Gamliel is the law bifne betino, that he never admitted in front of a betin. And that's why his admission doesn't count. But the Gemara says, yeah, but av betina, but wasn't Rabbi Yoshua the av betin? And that should do it. The Gemara responds, shelo bebetin havakai. No, the, the whole story was in the street, it wasn't in betin. But the Gemara says, vehatani, we have a different braita. That when Rabban Gamliel was talking to Rabbi Yeshua about that uh, story with his slave Tavi, whatever you say doesn't count because you already admitted. Meaning, even if uh, witnesses come, you still don't have to free him. My love, Tanei, aren't we saying that these two Braithot are arguing? Meaning, that the this Tana who's that Rabbi Yoshua said you don't have witnesses is basically saying that even if Aidim come afterwards you're still obligated to free him. That's the first Baita. The Haitana, the second Baita, the Haitana Damashikvar Hodeta, that you already admitted Savar Modibiknas Hakbaidim Patur. That the, if someone admitted and then when it says came all too late, he's patur. He doesn't have to he doesn't have to free anyone. The Gemara says Lo, no. That's not the Mahokim between the Baitot. Everyone holds like Rav Huna that if you admitted you own a fine, you owe a fine, and then witnesses came, you patur. Ubehakam if again the machloka between those two brayta is as follows: Haytana de Amar Shikva and the Chaidim, the brayta that says oh you don't have any witnesses. Savar chutz lebetinava. That story happened outside betin. Vehat chtana de Amar Shikva hodeta savar bebetinava. And the second brayta who said oh well you already admitted that's uh, talking about a case that happened inside Betin. And therefore, even if Adim come, uh, he's, he's patur. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem Amen ve'amen.